today I'm preaching and I'm praying that each of us would give ourselves totally to the mission of reaching the world with the gospel. I believe that every follower of Christ is called to full surrender and that following Christ includes reorienting your life around his mission. Um, I really, we, we've been talking, for, we set aside this whole month for missions. If you're new today, we're so glad that you're here. We, we set aside the whole month of October to say, what is it that God wants us to do? And I want to pause today, and as we, as we teach through, I want you to legitimately ask the question of the Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I believe that this mission that God calls us to and what we're going to see in Scripture is that the mission of Jesus isn't something that we should be just saying, ah, I'm going to do that part-time. That's like a thing I do on the, in the side of my life. It's just like a thing, like a hobby. Like I like, you know, somebody likes to play golf or likes to do whatever you like to do. The, the mission is something that should affect us from the inside and that should go uh, out of us. Have you ever heard the term full send? Full send? The idea of like, I'm just going to go headlong into this. And I wonder, what is it in your life that you are headlong into? That you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this thing invade every area of my life. I'm going to let it affect my family, my finances, my career, the purpose for existence. What is it for you? Today, I'm going to preach our missions theme, and that is simply, I'll go anywhere. Um, anybody in here love to shop at Walmart? We got any Walmart shoppers? Attention Walmart shoppers. Listen, uh, when you go to Walmart, if you've ever noticed up by uh, the front there uh, it, at the Walmart Canal, I think it's up between the, the restrooms near the customer service line, but they have a poster on the wall. Most Walmarts do. There's a big blue poster, and on that poster on the wall are pictures of a whole bunch of children, uh, kids that are, have gone missing. And if you, if you look at the poster, there's a phrase on there, and it says, every second counts. And right next to that phrase, every second counts, there's a phone number to call. And the phone number is 1-800-THE-LOST. 1-800-THE-LOST. And uh, Walmart gets the urgency of the matter that they're, they're talking about missing and exploited children. But they say if someone doesn't find the lost people soon, chances are they will never be found and they'll be lost forever. And so for them, it's an urgent matter. It's something that uh, requires urgency. Every second counts. And the poster that we see in Walmart is very similar to the passage in the Bible that we're going to study today. It describes a major job that needs to be done, a job that's urgent. And if, if we don't act quickly, the people in peril will be lost forever. I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 verse number 35. You can follow along with me. Matthew 9, 35, the Bible says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. 
Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Um, I, I want to share with you really simply today, I got a three-point message, and they're all really simple, okay? Uh, the, the message uh, is simply three reasons why, uh, three reasons in te- uh, Jesus' is teaching why we should give our lives for the gospel. Three reasons why. Reason number one is this, the harvest truly is plenteous. The harvest truly is plenteous. Jesus, uh, he was among the people in Matthew chapter 9. The Bible says he was busy. Uh, and in previous uh, chapters, he's going around from city to city and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, but he's healing people. He's dealing with hurt people. He's around people. He's helping people. Then he, he, he sees the needs and he's aware and consumed with the needs of others. I want to read a quick passage that describes his attitude in in Philippians chapter 2. We see it portrayed here. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Jesus has a mindset when he's out in the world that's totally countercultural. It's different than what you and I have. He he says... uh, that it's more important what is happening in the lives of others than what's happening in our own life. Philippians 2 verse 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And when we get to Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, we see this happening. And the Bible says that Jesus is going around and he's teaching and he's caring and he's healing. But in verse 36, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The first thing I see about Jesus is that he was others focused, not self-centered. He was others focused, not self-centered. The harvest is plenteous, but often we don't see the harvest because we are consumed with our own selves. Now, is there anybody in here with me that would just be willing enough to admit that you're selfish sometimes? Okay, are there any wives in here that would be willing to admit that your husband is selfish sometimes? No, you don't have to do that. Listen, we are humans. We are selfish, self-centered people. We want what we want. We want to eat the foods we want. We want to go to the places we want. We want to do what we want to do. We care about us. We care about ourselves. We're self-centered. When Jesus goes into the world, he has a totally different mindset. The Bible says that he saw the multitude. What that means is he had a focus that was off of himself onto the world around him. He, he wasn't paying attention to himself. You know, often our pursuits in life are distracting. The things that you strive to accomplish, the things that you want to buy, the, the life that you're trying to create, it can be distracting from the life that God wants you to live and what he wants you to accomplish. And it's easy for us to be consumed with our hopes and dreams and not ask God, what do you want me to hope and dream about? What do you want me to do for you? 
Our pursuits are distracting. Our problems are often consuming. You know, I, I know that in this room that we all have stuff in our life, hard stuff. Some of you this week, Pastor Tony mentioned, you may have had a bad week. Like, this just wasn't a good one. Let's just forget about this week and move forward. Uh, we have times like that. Uh, some of you are dealing with major sicknesses, major issues in your family. Um, just so much is happening in life. But I want to caution you because life and our cares, what we're worried about ourselves, our own problems, they can consume us. They can consume us so much that we are just, we can't do anything else. We're of no good to anyone else because we're so focused on ourselves. Listen, um, one of the best solutions when you have a problem that's overwhelming you is to just consider the fact that there are other people that have problems as well to open your eyes to the, the cares of the people around you. And many times you'll find a healing in your own difficulty by helping other people. Jesus was others-focused. He wasn't self-centered. He lived his life focused on others. Uh, but we oftentimes are focused on our problems, our needs, our wants, our desires. We want our day. Uh, but the Bible says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The Bible says Jesus saw the multitudes. I want to encourage you today just for a moment to see. To see. The Bible talks about a harvest of people that are in need. And their greatest need is the need of the gospel. And, and Jesus saw the multitudes. And when he saw them, he, he didn't see them as, uh, as obstacles or didn't see them as problems. Uh, he didn't see them as uh, somebody that was getting in his way. He saw the need. He saw those people. The Bible says he was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We need to start seeing Again, um, I am uh, a husband in training, okay? Uh, let me explain that to you. Uh, so, you know, any husband here know everything about being a good husband? Anyone? Yeah, keep your hands down, please. Uh, for your own good, keep your hand down. Um, I am learning, and I forget. I'm, an, I'm a good forgetter. But I am learning that when you come home from a long day, you have a choice of what you'll see. Uh, you can come home and you can see problems. Uh, you can see crazy kids. You can see what, things that you maybe wanted to be done that weren't done. Or you can just, you can look for the negative that's going on at your house. Can't you? Anybody with me? You can come home with a bad, bad attitude. Does anybody know a complainer in here? Yeah? We, we complain sometimes, don't we? Well, you can also choose to come home and you can see, wow, I'm so glad I have a house. Look, I have kids. My family's here. Everyone's still alive, right? Uh, my, my wife is here. We have dinner. We have food to eat. You know, you can come home and you choose to see what you want to see. You will see what you're looking for. Jesus, when he looks at people, he sees their spiritual need. When Jesus looks at people, he sees a harvest. When Jesus looks at people, he sees the people scattered as sheep, having no shepherd. Often when we go out in our day, tell me if you can agree with this. When you go out in your day, we try to avoid people. We see people as obstacles. 
We're like, how can I take the shortest line in the grocery store and not talk to anybody? How can I get in and get out? How can I go in my house when I come home and my neighbors not talk to me? How can I, and we avoid people. Oftentimes people are obstacles or problems to avoid, right? When Jesus was walking about and he was going from cities and villages, he was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing, he was seeing the people. Uh, He wasn't seeing them as problems or objects to avoid, he was seeing them as a harvest field. He was seeing them as people that needed him as the answer. Oftentimes, we will label people. We'll see them and we'll say, like, I'm not going to talk to them. And when we insert a reason, it may be because of uh, where they stand politically, the way they look, what neighborhood you're in, you know, all of these reasons why we avoid people. But we need to begin to see. You see what you're looking for. The Bible describes a harvest. Uh, In verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. What is the harvest? The harvest is people. The harvest is people. There are a great multitude of people in the world that are lost. The Bible describes them as sheep having no shepherd. The fact is that we live in a world that is clearly dark, and we are the ones with the light. We live in a world of people that are confused. Uh, Everybody is confused today. They don't understand their purpose, why they exist. They don't understand their identity. They don't know that there was a creator that has fearfully and wonderfully made them. Satan is blinding the eyes of our neighbors, our family, the people that we're sitting next to in traffic, convincing them that they have no purpose. They have no no way to know their identity. There is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no eternity, and people are in darkness. And their lives are are like Jesus described, these people in need. They're like sheep scattered. They have no shepherd. They just don't know the way. They're experiencing the effects of sin in the world without any solution to the problem. And when Jesus describes these people in verse 37, he uses an interesting word. He uses the word harvest. To describe the people. Uh, Do we have any farmers in here? I see some right here. You guys are in the first service. Uh, If you're a farmer, this will make more sense to you than those of us that aren't farmers. Um, I, you tell me if I am or not, I think I'm kind of a farmer. Uh, I, I play sometimes recently the game Farming Simulator. Does that count as a farmer? Anybody think it does? I think it does, because I sort of understand, except that my harvest comes in like five minutes, um, uh, as opposed to like a whole season. But this term of harvest, it paints a reality of the situation Jesus was describing, the reality of the world in which we're in. See, when the seed is sown and the crops grow, there comes a period of time to harvest. There comes a period of time One commentator describes it this. He says, a waving field of golden grain invites many reapers and demands haste. If you're a farmer, which I am not really, but uh, you would understand that there is a certain period of time that the harvest is ready and you need to begin to harvest and the work needs to be done. That you can't make excuses for the work. You can't make, there can't be objections to the work. Whether or not you like it, the work has got to be done. Do you understand? Uh, and there comes a time later on that the harvest can no longer be harvested. There's a season, this harvesting season. Jesus describes it in John chapter 4. 
His disciples in John chapter 431 uh, asked him saying, Master, eat. In the meantime, uh, while his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. They were a little confused. He's like, is Jesus sneaking food? What's happening here? Um, Therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? They didn't understand his thought process, his priorities, the way he viewed things. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for there are white already to harvest. The Bible describes the world around us as a white harvest. Not something, that, a harvest that's coming, but a harvest that's ready right now. And a harvest is something that demands workers to work now. The harvest is plenteous. Here's what that means. It means that God is working today. It means that those of your family members that don't know Jesus, God is working right now and some of them will receive Jesus if you'll simply go talk to them. It means that if, if somebody would decide to go to maybe one of these countries uh, represented by the flags in this room, that there are people that God is working on there, this harvest that's ready to be harvested if we'll simply be a laborer and go to the harvest. The, the Bible says the harvest is plenteous. Your neighbors can still come to Christ. A ready harvest calls for an urgent response. John 9 verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. There is a harvest that is plenteous. And that is a great reason to give your life for the gospel. The time to work is now. But Jesus transitions and he kind of gives some bad news. Kind of gives a, a sad reality of how things are. In verse number 37, Matthew 9. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest Truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. It's my second reason. Why should you give your life for the gospel? Jesus says the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Uh, it was interesting to hear the terminology in the videos. Uh, both missionaries today inviting us to come to be laborers, to go where they are. They realize that there's a harvest in London. There's a harvest uh, in San Francisco. Jesus describes the reality of our situation that there is a labor shortage. There's a labor shortage. You say, I know that. I can relate to that, a labor shortage. Uh, Today, when you go about, you see um, things that are closing. Recently, Giant Eagle around the corner, uh, they had to close their pharmacy drive-thru. Why? Why? because there weren't enough workers. Uh, You'll see um, this um, Burger King over here down the road. No cars in the parking lot, closed. Why? Because there's a labor shortage. I I don't want to downplay what Jesus is saying here by comparing it to today's labor shortage. It's it's a lot more than simply getting a Whopper or uh, picking up some prescription medication, okay? Jesus says there's a harvest that's plenteous, It's urgent, it's necessary, it's right now. But there aren't enough laborers. We need more people to go to work, that's what he's saying. Many times this task is called work. Um, We live in a world today where the cultural standard is that nobody wants to go overboard anymore. 
Um, this idea of going above and beyond, the idea of, uh, over, of, of extending yourself fully, of going uh, that full send, that all in. This, this idea exists in, in the culture today that I don't want to quite commit right now. I, I, I think I need some more time to think about it. I think I need um, a little more margin in my life. But we need as Christians to rethink some things because the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And Jesus, when he calls us to follow him, he challenges everything about you saying, I just don't know if I have enough time. I just don't know if I can commit to that. His, his uh, desire and his uh, invitation to follow is an all in, is an, is, it's extra, it's overboard. It's, it's going all in. I want to ask you, to consider a question. What would you give your life for? What cause? What is it that you would honestly say, I am going to give my whole heart to this? Is there anything right now that you're giving your whole heart to? You say, I, am, I, I have just totally changed my whole life around this one purpose, this one calling. What is it? Do you have anything? What does all in even look like? Uh, there's a term that uh, I've been kind of fascinated with lately, and uh, it, it, it's called quiet quitting. Raise your hand if you've heard that term. Uh, it's, it's on the news. If you've not heard, if you, if you own a business, you've probably heard about it. If you uh, watch the news or you just read articles about what's going on today, quiet quitting is like kind of a, a fad headline, quiet quitting. And the idea is that uh, once we had this great resignation in our country uh, where people were leaving their jobs because of COVID, they rethought a bunch of things and they were leaving their jobs, that now uh, people have this attitude toward work to where they say, I am not going to do anything else extra besides what is on my job description. Uh, They say, I'm not going to take on any extra projects. I'm not going to do anything off the clock. I'm not, I'm just not going to sacrifice my life for this workplace any longer. Now, let me tell you how this relates to what we're talking about today. I understand that your career is not your life. And for many people, your career is not your calling. But when it comes to your Christian faith, when it comes to your relationship with your Savior, your God, His mission and His call on your life, it is no place for quiet quitting. He doesn't call us to simply say, I'll come to church. I might even join a life group. But don't ask for me to give to missions. You know, don't even, I'm not even going to consider actually going to the mission field. I mean, quit my job, really? Can, could, would, would God ask me to do that? What, what is God calling you to do? Have you been brave enough to ask him? And would you be willing to give up something for him? Above and beyond today is replaced with bare minimum. But I want to show you in the scripture that Jesus is saying the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few, and that following him requires us to say, I am willing to go all in when I follow you. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. 
Woo! All right, this guy, he says, Jesus, I'll go anywhere. I'll go wherever you want. God, you, you, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Basically, he says, are you sure? Are you sure you'll follow me? When Jesus calls us to follow him, he also calls us to weigh the cost, to count the cost, to consider what that really means. Um, and I, I will tell you, it doesn't simply mean show up to church on Sunday. It doesn't simply mean volunteer my time from time to time. That's not what it means. He, he tells this guy, um, it's going to be uncomfortable and take sacrifice if you're going to follow me. It is going to mean that you are willing to say, maybe I don't have a home. That's interesting. That's what he told this man here. Uh, he says, the son of man hath not where to lay his head. We, in uh, kids' church, I remember growing up and we would sing, I'm in the Lord's army, right? Well, we talk about that, I'm in the Lord's army. Uh, army kind of means like hard, like difficult, like it's going to cost you something, like ow, I might get injured sometimes or I might have to sacrifice. It's not like, we don't sing songs like I'm in the Lord's chess club or I'm in the Lord's choir or something. I mean, like we, you follow me what I'm saying? He says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. The idea is that you need to not get caught down, not get tied down, not get distracted, but be willing to sacrifice to follow Christ. In verse 59 in the same passage, Luke chapter 9, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. He, he said, ah, before I follow you, Jesus, can I just take care of this thing? How many times have we said that to ourselves, told God that? God, I, I want to give my all and focus on your mission, but right now in my life, it just isn't a good time. I have something else to do. Jesus, this is a reasonable request, maybe, uh, go, to go and bury your father. Well, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. There are times when God leads you and he is telling you to just stop doing what you're doing and do something else. To stop following your schedule and follow his schedule instead, primarily. In verse number 61, and, all, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell where you're at home in my house. He says, I, Lord, I'm going to follow you too. But I need to stop at home because there's people at my house and I've got something going on. Let me just tell them goodbye first. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus describes all through the Bible that following him is an all-in action. Following him is going to require something of you. Are you willing to do what it takes to follow Jesus? Are you willing to ask the tough question, Lord, what do you want me to do? And are you willing to say, Lord, I'll go anywhere? He may respond to you like he responded to these. Are you sure? 
Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Are you up for that challenge? Are you sure? In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus describes this following him, and he uses such powerful terms. Mark 8, verse 34 says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, what, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus makes it clear that anybody that is going to follow him, it's going to require that you deny yourself. What is it that it what, what is it you're denying yourself? What is it that you have given up so that you can follow Christ? So often at church and uh, through just the life of ministry and all that we're doing, we often say, I can't do that, and then we insert reason. Uh, another another um, synonym for reason is the word excuse, okay? <laughs> Has anyone ever used reasons before? I have. Uh, we have reasons, which are actually excuses. And we say, I can't because. Well, what if you sacrificed your because? What if you decide to give that up? What if you... Um, uh, get rid of a, a bill or a habit that you have that costs money so that you can do something financially? What if you, um, you know, unobligated yourself from some sport or hobby or something that you're doing or some committee or some club that you're a part of so that you could serve or go or be a part of something that God's calling you to do? What, what is it that you are going to deny yourself? And it's so interesting because he, in, he takes the, the whole scope of life, your life, now, you need to know your life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and it vanishes away. You don't know when your appointment with death is. It could be this year. It could be next year. It could be 20 years from now. You are not sure when. But Jesus says when it comes to your life, whosoever uh, will save his life will lose it. The idea is if you keep your life for your own priorities, your own agenda, your own values, and you live it all for you, really you've missed it. You've missed what the point of it all was. But if you lose your life, you willingly give up your priorities, your time, your energy for my sake, he says, and the gospels, the same shall save it. He says, if you really want to live for what you're created to live for, you really want to experience the satisfaction of knowing your purpose and doing what God called you to do, give your life up for his sake and the gospel. And I wonder, have you ever considered telling Jesus, I want to give my life for your harvest. I want to give my life for you. The harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. Jesus makes that clear. But my third reason to give him your life and give your life for the gospel is simply this, you are the answer. The harvest truly is plenteous, the laborers are few. And what is God's answer to it all? Look in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 38. He says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus says, okay, this world is lost. There's, there's not a lot of laborers. We've got a labor shortage here. What's the answer? 
He says to you, Christians, you disciples, I want you to pray. Okay, we can do that. That's not too difficult. What are we going to pray? He says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest. Okay, pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. So if I'm praying sincerely, Lord, send laborers to my family. How do you suppose? How do you suppose he's going to answer your prayer? He is going to send you. That's what's built into this verse. I just don't see anywhere in the scripture, obviously we can pray for this country or that country and we can say, Lord, send forth laborers. But when we begin to pray sincerely, the Lord gives us the desires of our heart and he moves in our hearts to say, uh, he gives us a burden for that place and for that country and those people. And he says, you know what? You're going to be the answer. You are going to be the difference. He, he may call you to send. He may call you to go. But he calls us. Uh, he calls us to passionate surrender. All of us have to come to a place in our life. If we're going to go to heaven, if we're going to experience the blessings of salvation, we have to come to a point in our life where we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I know you died for me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that without you, I'm going to go to hell. I want you to save me. We all have to come to that point to where we say, Lord, please save me. Lord, I accept you into my life. Save me, Lord. We get saved. But I believe there's equally a moment that we should all go through. Not, not to forgive us of our sin, not, not to uh, experience salvation, but we all need to have a conversation with Jesus that says, Lord, I am surrendering to you. I am going to give you everything that I have. What good is it of a Christian that would trust Jesus for their eternity, their salvation, but then for the rest of their life they just live for themselves? That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to follow him. Our purpose is to say, God, what do you want me to do? It means that we're willing to say and pray, I'll go anywhere. Let me define that for you. I'm going to wrap this up right now. It means as we pray, I'll go anywhere, we're saying, I will adjust my career, my finances, and my family for the sake of the gospel. Think about it. Why does God give you a job? Does he give you a job simply for yourself? Simply for your, your desires and what you want to do and where you want to go and the things you want to have? No. He, he gives us a job so that we can do what he needs us to do in this world. We are simply the tools. We are simply, uh, we, we get to be used by the master. We get to be used by our creator. He gives you talents and abilities and he gives you a family and he gives you the world that you live in so that you can do uh, what he wants you to do. I heard one preacher say, uh, when it comes to this surrendering to ministry, um, some people say, I'm waiting for God to call me. I need him to t talk to me clearly, Lord, call me to ministry. Well, one preacher said, why not volunteer? Why not say, Lord, I'll be a missionary. Maybe, maybe I won't go if, if you stop me. If you don't want me to go, just stop me. But I see the need, I'm going to go. I remember when I was in college, and um, I didn't have a particular calling 
to um, be a lead pastor or a senior pastor. I honestly, uh, I didn't even know all that it entailed. I have learned much in being here. Uh, but I remember there was a, a period of time when I was in college and I had this moment of decision, this moment of opportunity where I, I could say I was at a point in my life and I realized that point really can be at any, any point in your life because you have freedom to choose what you do. But I remember specifically, I knew God clearly said, right now you can choose if you want to to serve me for the rest of your life. You can dedicate what you have to offer to me. You may not have everything to offer, but what you have, you can give it back. And, and that's when I, in college, in a message, I just said, well, it seems to me that the most important thing after I die is going to be who's in heaven and who's in hell. There's really not a lot of benefit of uh, what, what kind of car you drive or, or what you do for your work. I, mean, I, I hope you have a great career. I hope you do something you enjoy. But the, the point of it is that this life is just a little bit of a vapor, just a small part of eternity. And when we get, when we get to the end of this all, it's going to matter who's in heaven and who's in hell. And the thing is, every one of us has an opportunity to decide. We have a point of decision, a point that we can say, God, where I'm at right now, the finances I have right now, the career path I'm on right now, the family you've given me right now, the influence I have right now, I'm going to give it to you for your sake and the gospels. The Bible says if you do that, you, you get everything. Uh, if you don't, you, 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 miss. you miss out on the purpose of everything. Every Christian is called to full surrender. Um, we're going to have a time of invitation right now, and we're going to sing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you apply this. Three decisions today. Three decisions for today. Maybe uh, one of these is the decision you need to make. Number one, maybe you're in here today, and you need to make the decision to say, God, I will go. I will go. I'm surrendering to full-time ministry. Maybe you're in here, and you say, I know that the Lord is telling me I need to go. Maybe you don't know exactly where or what, but you, you say you're in a position that you can offer God your full-time efforts. I would say do it. Maybe you feel God calling you to be a pastor, a minister, a missionary, but maybe your de decision today is say, I'm surrendering. Secondly, maybe your decision today is say, God, I will commit my career intentions to you. What a blessing. Not only that God would save us, not only that he would give us a family, not only that he would put us in this country, but he gives you ability to earn an income and have some freedom. What a blessing. But I wonder if you would say, God, I dedicate the fruit of my labor to your harvest field and your mission. God, maybe, maybe you've been having your career and working so hard to accumulate. I just want to tell you, that's not a good enough reason to, to keep working. You, you're missing it. Maybe you say, I've been working my job because I, I want to get that promotion. I want to have a position. Well, I'm telling you, you got the wrong goals at mind. But if as a believer, you would decide with your career to say, Lord, I'm going to give you my full effort and I'm going to give it back to you. Lord, you bless me financially. You bless my business. You bless my career. And you know what? I'm going to reorient and redirect my financial interest to your financial interest. I believe God will bless you for it. God, I commit my career intentions to you. Number three, I want to invite you to make the decision, God, I will commit my family to you. Um, many of us in here have children. Some are really small. Some are getting a little big, getting older. Why does God give you children? Why does God leave you here? He leaves us here for his own glory, for his own purpose. And I wonder if you'd be willing just to say, God, 
I'm going to surrender my kids to you. I will spend my energy and my effort raising my kids to value what you value and live for you. And maybe one day, when your kids get older and they say, Mom, Dad, I think God is calling me to do this in ministry. Would you be willing to say, okay, I'm going to help you do that? Yes, sure. We need to take what we have today and we need to say, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll give it to you. Jesus said the harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. You are the answer.